Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Take a seat. Really appreciate that. I think it's my first standing ovation. Gee, I wonder if you do it at the end of the message. I, I, doubt, I doubt it very much. Well, tonight we're speaking on the subject, end time faith. And these are exciting times, aren't they? You know, that God is uh, doing some amazing things, like I said uh, this morning. You know, around the world, it's just really, really interesting. I'm involved in um, foreign exchange markets a little bit. And uh, things are so affected by what takes place uh, overseas. It's quite dramatic with uh, Trump and China and Brexit and things like this. But these are just a range of things that are taking place. God said in his word that uh, knowledge is going to increase in the last days. He said that, that uh, the whole area of travel will increase rapidly. There's some amazing things that are prophesied. And we're just looking at one small area tonight. But God has the future well in control, doesn't he? Amen? Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, some years ago, I read a book. And some of you here who are also, like me, over 50, just... Uh, would have read this book called The Vision from, by Dave Wilkinson. Did anyone else read that book? Okay, we're just, just Dave and me, a few others, okay. Well, in this book, he was a real man of God, Dave Wilkinson, and in this book, it was written, I mean, a long time ago now, and I remember reading it, and he was talking about the future, what would be taking place, and I remember this part he particularly spoke about, and this is like decades ago. He talked about television. And he said how that what is going to take place on television is going to shock and blow your mind, but it'll happen gradually. And lo and behold, it's happened today, just what he said. And uh, he said, but do not worry, God has it in control. God is working to a timetable, he's working to a plan, and neither the enemy or mankind can stop what God wants to do. God has a purpose, he has a purpose for your life, has a purpose for this nation and beyond. And the power of the Spirit, I believe, is going to come upon this land despite the best efforts of the enemy, despite the, the best efforts of any person, God will reign and He will rule in New Zealand. He will have His way. And I'm excited by that because God really is amazing. He is without limit. He is without rival. He is without equal. The promise of God stands, and it stands to you, and it stands to me, and it stands to the nation of New Zealand, that God will come upon this nation and visit it in an amazing and a remarkable way. But we said tonight, uh, tonight we're going to talk about the days of Noah, and we will briefly. So just looking up on your screens, I think it will be Luke chapter 17, verse 26. Jesus said these words. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Pretty sobering, isn't it? Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they had a lot of problems. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted and they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. You know, the, the turbulence of our, of our day that we live... Um, so often it's various groups pushing in a number of directions, wanting their own way. And, uh, and it does talk about here that God bringing judgment. And that will take place at times, even in our own nation. Isaiah 26 and verse 9 talks about when God brings judgment, it's so that people will learn to do the right thing. So even in judgment, God 
brings mercy and brings to the heart of people. That is always the heart of God. But in the days of, of Noah and the days of Lot, immorality was a, a key feature of that time. Violence and very little God consciousness. And uh, isn't that so true today in our own nation? And as I was praying about what to share about tonight a few weeks ago, I was just praying about this, and uh, I was putting some, some rubbish away. I don't know. And I don't know if you do this, but this is what I do. I get an old newspaper, and I wrap it up, and I throw it in the bin. Now, some people don't do that, but that's what I, I do. And anyway, I, I just came across, as I grabbed this paper out of the, the, the drawer there that was six months old, and I began to wrap it. I looked at the, the heading, and I've just brought this with me, so it's, it doesn't smell too badly, but it's got, oh, man, if I can just find it, there's Donald Trump on that page, yeah, okay, and here it is, um, I don't know if the cameras can get that, but it's called Losing Faith, and it was an article, it was two pages in the Herald, and it was an article on a, a giant survey that was done and commissioned by the Wilberforce Foundation. And they went through and they analyzed um, the, the data that's coming through. And this is what they, they found. Now, parts of this message are kind of, oh, that's pretty sad, but it hopefully will get more um, encouraging at the end, okay? So in 2006, half of the population of New Zealand identified with Christianity. In 2018, one-third of the population identified. Do you know what that means? It means that that is 760,000 people that in 12 years no longer identify with Christian things. And it's, it's just rapidly changing. And these are, these are actual figures that have done, been done through the surveys and the census and the, the stats and the whole thing. That's over 1,000 people a week, every single week over 12 years. This week alone, another 1,000 would have said, no, nah, it's not for me, that sort of thing. You know, there, there's increasing secularism. Prayer, as we know, has been removed from Parliament. That's just so symbolic of where we are at. Currently, 9% of people say that they attend church regularly. Now, that's not a lot of people because not every one of those are born-again Christians. And that doesn't even mean every week. That just means regularly. And I would say, um, I go out witnessing quite a lot in the streets and in the malls and so on, and I would say at least 50% of people have never heard the gospel. They do not know what the gospel is. This is the society that currently our children and grandchildren are growing up in. Society's view of Christianity is really a lot of it from social media where there's historic sex abuse cases which are just terrible and tragic and there's so-called perceived hate speech from Christians. You know, many people do not know real Christians. They actually don't know them. They don't know them. And uh, it, it is so sad. And the fallout in, in our society is colossal. And, it, you know, you just have to talk with your neighbors to see very quickly what's taking place. And I won't go into great detail, but just the whole area of the normalizing of alcohol is just tragic. The normalizing of an alternative family, oh, that's, uh, that is so heartbreaking. You know, even living together without being married, that's crept into the church. You know, God's word is so clear on standards of marriage. You know, it's between Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And, uh, you know, it's a man and a woman, and that's God's, that's God's word. That's the standards that God has. And, uh, and you know, I, I have friends that have alternate lifestyles, and I am very loving with them, very caring with them. I love them dearly. I tell them that God loves them. 
but also what, is, what God's Word teaches. Because with the truth with love will win out. It's not just the truth, it's the truth with love. And, and uh, so that's what I believe God wants to do in our hearts. And I know that we're on that journey together, aren't we? But what I'm talking about here, it's not just in New Zealand. No, no, it's in the Western world. It's across the Western world. It's in every country that is, uh, you know, well, I don't know what you're going to, I was going to say civilized, but I'm not really sure it is civilized. But, you know, it's in the West, and largely the church is not relevant. It has no real voice and no real power. And, and this is heartbreaking and tragic. And people have said, as the church, so the nation. I believe the reason why the nation is like it is is because the church. Somehow we have just not quite done everything that we should. Many, many years ago, a prophet came to this nation, a real man of God. This guy, he brought revival to, to Argentina. He spent eight hours a day seeking God in prayer for months. Uh, Edward Miller was his name. He was my hero. And I heard all his tapes and prayed and prayed for the same thing and met him. And, uh, and he shared at this meeting, um, he said, God is bringing judgment to New Zealand unless the, uh, he said the leaders, the pastors repent. But I guess it goes bigger than that. He says they've got a year to do it. And I heard this and I thought, wow, this is amazing, you know. And I'm looking back now 40 years later and I'm thinking, well, I guess somehow we didn't quite get it right. Maybe it was we just lost our focus for, for reaching the lost. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But whatever the reason, we are where we are today. And just remember this, that in all this, God loves you dearly. He loves each of us dearly. And he loves this nation so, so much. But I think of the words that if my people, God said, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, will pray, seek my face. You know, God says, then, then, when the people of God will do that, then he says, I will heal the land. So the land's healing is dependent on the people of God rising up, following God, allowing God to lead them because it is a work of the Spirit. And as we do that, then God will heal the nation of New Zealand and he'll bring it back to what it's called to be, a real flagship in the nations. You know, God loves taking the small things, the weak things, the despised things and doing something great. And I believe God has an amazing purpose for our nation. You know, once we led the world in so many things, you know, we led the world in world missions. Per capita, New Zealand was number one. We sent out more missionaries across the globe than any other country. You know, music was another thing that we led the world in. And, uh, and that's kind of been exported to, to Australia. But nonetheless, you know, there's a heritage in this nation for godly music. And God spoke to me some time ago and he said, in this church, He's going to restore the tabernacle of David. And the tabernacle of David is all about the glory of God, worship and praise and miracles and outbreaks of God. And God is going to do it in our midst, I believe. So, you know, get ready. God is going to do some amazing things. We are going to get the job done. Seeds of revival have been sown previously in this land. And I'm not going to try to speak it up too much because we certainly were not in revival, okay? But there were some great things. And, um, you know, we've had some great things happen even historically too. And I was just thinking, Alison, about the school that we had. You know, Alison was the principal. And we had a real outbreak of God in the school where those kids' lives were powerfully touched and impacted. And, you know, that was exciting. When I was saved, I had the... Uh, the real privilege, I guess, of traveling around New Zealand. I had a little Honda motorbike, a 100cc. 
And uh, boy, did that, that seat got awfully hard after a long period of time. And I traveled around. I just finished um, in Picton where my good friend Dave, Dave Peters was the pastoring of the other church. And we were the two churches in town, the two Pentecostal churches together. And uh, I went around to numbers of places from Invercargill, I mean, just New Plymouth, Fielding, you know, Christchurch, of course, uh, up to Auckland, Whangarei, on I went. And wherever I went and visited, the churches were largely full. And guess what? They all had Sunday night services, which also were full. Wow, what a difference. So amazing. The church that I was saved in in Christchurch we saw, and this, this is no exaggeration, this is true, we would see 20 young people saved radically every single Sunday night, week after week, month after month. And, I mean, they were really impacted. They'd be weeping and sobbing and coming to the altar, and, and they were so on fire. It was just an exciting, and a, I thought this was just completely normal. And, and it was until our church, unfortunately, blew apart and it split. Oh, what a shame. Heaven and hell, they were so real, so real. End times was such a real thing that uh, we were so aware that Jesus was coming soon. And I can remember, uh, to give you an example, I was at Teachers College, I, I think I was in my second year, and the lecturer, I think, had come late to the class, and we were just sitting, waiting around, and um, I had my guitar with me. I'm not sure quite why, but I had my guitar with me. Uh, I did play back then a little bit, and... Um, and there's this girl next to me, and she was a really good singer. And so we just started singing, Seek First the Kingdom of God, you know, while we're waiting. And we sang, and we got into it, man. And uh, when we finished, everyone just clapped and cheered. I mean, they weren't Christians, but it was not uncommon for this sort of thing, just the whole God thing in the land. We had the Jesus marches across the nation, and on it went. And I know some of you were around at that time, were also young and over 50, and uh, we know what it was like. The governor general came to church sometimes. When I was in Christchurch, the prime minister came to church sometimes. He said, oh boy, this is Rob Muldoon. He said, boy, there's real power in this place, and he liked power. So he was impressed. <laughs> you know, the spirit level was up, and God did, a, did wonderful and amazing things. As I said, seeds of revival have been planted. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, register for conference. It's all about revival in the land. You know, if you have a heart for our, our land, come to conference. Support it. The vision of conference is so important. So God is going to turn this nation back to himself. How will he do it? Through his church. That is the only answer. We are the hope of the nation. There is nowhere else that God is going to go. God wants to work through his people. So this is what I see. And this is the word that God gave me. He gave it to me just over two years ago in November of 2016. And it wasn't a word I really wanted to share or really wanted to get either. But this was the word. And just see if the last two years, has any of this been, been for you? I was just about to go and um, I was going to go and speak at a church on a Sunday night and I had my message all ready and I was just about to, to go and God gave me a song really clear and it stayed with me for some days. And this was, the, this was the song that God gave me. Refiner's fire, my heart's desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Master, ready to do your will. And I knew what God was saying. He says, Stephen, I am bringing on my church a fire of refinement, of purity, making my bride, my people ready to do works for me, ready to do his will. And uh, 
I believe over the last two years that's what's been taking place in many, many people's lives. A refining, a purifying. It isn't always easy, but it's right and it's God. And these are many good people that God has been doing this where God's just coming and coming and putting the pressure on. And I was sharing this word with Pastor Tuck not that long ago. And he, I said, oh, normally when I get a word, it's about two years, and then it kind of starts to get fulfilled. He said, well, I hope that one gets fulfilled about now because I've had enough refinement. Or he, he said words to that effect anyway. So, uh, you know, he said, he said some things publicly himself, so I know that's okay to say that. But, um, you know, we're in a season of fire, of purging and preparation, and God is going to bring a fulfillment. And for many of us, the fulfillment has not yet taken place. And I believe in 2019, there's coming a first fruits of the fulfillment of the things that God has put on your heart. And some of those things have been seeds that have been sown years and decades ago. And this year, and then into next year, God is going to bring a great release. And I believe even in 2020, the full release is going to start to come. And that's going to begin to impact the church and the churches in New Zealand and across, I believe, the Western church. And that's going to really start to impact into the community, into the cities, and into the nation. The things that I see God is doing, he's talking about lordship. He, he really is the boss. He's very gentle, but he wants us to know. Yes, Lord, what you, where you lead, I will follow. What you feed, I will swallow. Yep, that's it. Okay. Purity. Purity. You know what our eyes look on. How much our eyes look at something. You know, that is such a big thing with God. Our mouth. Our mouth. You know, I, I've, uh, I tell you, man, the, the mouth, God wants words of life from this mouth. He doesn't want the other stuff. He wants words of life. So I, I've got my stuff I'm working on. I say, God, I want to do this. Lord, no matter what it takes, I want to do this with you. I want to do this with you, Lord. I want to get through to the, uh, to the place of fulfillment. So there are things that God is doing. And he, I believe above all else, he's removing dependence on ourselves. So what is God's method of dealing with dependence on ourselves? Well, I've got here a hot wilderness. Now, in the wilderness, good things happen. In the wilderness, they got miracles. They got, um, they got provision of water out of a rock. They uh, saw amazing things happen. They saw the glory of God. So the wilderness doesn't mean that it's all bad. Not at all. It just means it isn't everything that God has for you. And before Jesus launched his ministry to impact the nation of Israel, just consider what happened to him. He comes to the waters of baptism. He goes through, does the right thing. The father speaks and says, this is my son. I'm so pleased with him. He's so pleased with him. What does God do? Luke chapter 4, the very next chapter. Luke 4, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You're not in a place of unfulfillment or that thing being not yet fulfilled. You're not there because you're displeasing God. No, you're there because you're pleasing God, just like Jesus. You're actually doing it right. You're actually following God, and he is for you, and he's with you, and he's leading you this way. And this is what God is going to do, because he knows this whole deal does not depend on you and me. It depends on God and God alone. And we have a small part that we can play 
That is to follow the leading of the Lord. And so Jesus follows the leading of the Spirit and he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing and afterwards when they had ended, he was hungry. I'm sure he was hungry. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And then look at this, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news went out in the surrounding region. I believe as you and I and the church of Jesus Christ in this nation, as we pass through the season that we are in and we are drawing, I believe, to the end of the season now, as we pass through this, we will be coming out in a whole new dimension of power, of faith, of love, of authority, of release, of victory that will take us into sharing what others can receive also. I tell you, it is a, it is a good thing. So where are you at you right now? Are you between being tempted by the rocks to turn to bread? Or is it the kingdoms of the world? Or is it the temple to jump off? Wherever it may be, don't worry. Just hang in there, follow God, press through. Being led by the Spirit. I just uh, some weeks ago, some of you may know I do a bit of ushering, and um, it's great. And um, I was um, I was just about to, to I was partway through the singing, and I was just going to go outside for a minute. And uh, but I just I just felt the sudden presence come in my spirit. I thought, oh, what's that? That's unusual. I just wait. I see what the next song is. The song was just finishing off. And so the, they finished like that song, and they came, and they began to sing this song, which you know so well. It says this, I know a breakthrough is coming. And I felt God say, Stephen, stay and listen to that. A breakthrough is coming. And I want to encourage you tonight that your breakthrough is coming. It is coming because God is thinking of you, and he's thinking of more than you. He's thinking of our nation. And honestly, the nation needs the church. And we need our breakthrough. And we need to be released into the power of the Spirit. A breakthrough comes. Fresh fire, fresh passion will come to the church. And that will impact the world. As the church gets on fire, non-Christians will be burnt. Hallelujah. Seeds of hope have been planted in our hearts. Water the seed and a harvest will follow. Just very quickly, five ways to water that seed of hope. That God has planted in you. Number one, know, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Contentment and peace is a great accomplishment. When you're in a situation and you're just following God, just like Jesus was in the wilderness there, when you're following God and it's not happening quite as you want and you're following God, in God's eyes, that really is a good thing. That's a pleasing thing to God. It's not an easy thing, and he understands that. It's a great accomplishment. So just keep what you're doing and allow that peace to take you through. Number two, keep sweet. Keep sweet, even in bitter waters. At times, we do pass through things that are a wee bit bitter. They're not the best. But keeping sweet is so vital. I think of Hannah. I read just this morning. Um, You know that Hannah was was, uh, provoked. It was quite bitterly. But she cried out to God. And God heard her prayer. Keep sweet. God will hear your prayer. Number three, sow good seeds. Do the small things well. Do the small things well. Such a key thing. It really, really is. Number four, share Christ wherever you go. Just share God's love. I was just talking to my daughter-in-law, Delfina, 
and uh, they're very excited and sitting. They've just moved into a new church, new church building, and uh, they had their first Sunday just a few hours ago, and uh, they went well. And she was just saying that, you know, she was out buying some shoes. She loves to buy shoes. And uh, she's in the shoe shop, and she got on really well with the sales lady selling her the shoes. And after about five minutes of just chat, 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 this, this lady, without any, anything from Delfina, she says, oh, I just so need to find God. And this is just, just an Aussie girl that is, isn't a Christian, doesn't know Delfina's a, a, a Christian or a believer. And she just said that. And Delfina thought, wow, that is such a good connection. I'm going to follow that one up. So they got different phone numbers and they're just keeping in touch. And she's going to share the Lord with him. And, you know, just, just being open because there are so many people out there that, that want to know God. They just don't know. I got to talk to people and, and many, many are open to God, but they just simply um, need someone to go and talk to them. And the point number five is grace and not works. You know, this is all about God's grace. It's all about what he will do. It's not about our efforts of, oh, you know, if I just fast more, oh, if I just give more, oh, if I just, you know, do more or pray more. And, and I mean, they, they are good things, but they are not, they're not the thing. The thing that matters is the grace of God. It's the grace of God that God gives grace to the humble. To those who say, Lord, I can't do this. And Lord, it's not about me. It's about you and it's about other people. And uh, th these are things that, some of the things that God has been trying to slowly get worked into my heart and my life. And, uh, you know, he still has a way to go. But uh, that's what I want to see. It is about grace. And the thing is, whatever you're in, whatever you've been facing or looking to God for, his grace is more than sufficient. His grace is more than enough, and His grace is drawing near to you. And I, I would keep watering those seeds of hope. I would keep looking to God. I believe you're going to be surprised. Some of you are going to be surprised in the next few short while what God is going to do. Just keep watering the seeds that God has put there. Look after that because the power of the seed is quite amazing. Just yesterday, I was walking around my house and doing a bit of weeding, looking at it, and I came across this big sort of concrete block thing, and it had split. And you know what had made it had split? Uh, this jolly weed that had come up in the middle of the concrete block. Now, I don't know how that weed got there, but the, uh, sorry, this, yeah, the, the, the weed began with the seed, right? A and that seed just grew so strongly, it could break open concrete. Power of the, of the seed. How much more the power of the indestructible word of God planted in your heart. Don't underestimate it, friend. Don't underestimate the promise that God has given to you. It has great power, great power. But God says, look after it. Remove the old, the bad seeds of unbelief and, you know, discouragement. And just receive from me the seeds of life and feed those seeds. They really will make a difference. Isaiah 66 verse 2, God says, But on this one I will look, on the one who is poor and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. That's what God is doing in our midst. I believe he's doing it in our church. He's doing it across the nation. He's getting his people ready. He's increasing our hunger. He's going to bring us through into fulfillment. And that in turn is going to cause us to bring revival into the nation. Let's just have the, uh, the team come up. And we're going to sing, I Know a Breakthrough is Coming. And as we sing it, I'm going to ask you to do this if you could. When we've sung it through, we're going to finish. And then we're going to spend one minute 
praying for our breakthrough or you're praying for a breakthrough for someone you know or if you've got your breakthrough, you're praying for a breakthrough in the nation. God is going to do it. He is going to cause a breakthrough to come. He's saying, just flow with me. You, you see what I will do. It's not our works. It's His grace and it's His power. So can we stand, please, guys? And uh, the team will lead us. Thanks. Thanks.